We hope you're blessed and encouraged by the following study from Calvary Chapel, Elmani. It's our simple prayer that you would grow stronger and deeper in an intimate and personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Should you have any questions, please feel free to contact us here at Calvary Chapel, Elmani. But Joshua chapter 11, it kind of reminds me as we're going through the book of Joshua, I don't know. You guys remember when you were in high school and you used to watch a fight? Did you guys ever do that? There was a fight, and so everybody gathered around. And normally when there was a fight, usually you're there for entertainment. You want to see what happens. It's the ugliness inside of us, really, that likes to see stuff like that. But then as you get older, it gets a little bit more sophisticated, and so you like to see the boxing fight. And again, usually it's just for entertainment. Usually, you know, it just kind of riles up that... Uh, testosterone for us guys and stuff like that, right? You know, but for us, as we're going through the book of Joshua, we are really, in one sense, witnessing a fight. We're witnessing a fight between, you know, the children of Israel and the opposition. And we're, but we're not just witnessing it for entertainment. We're not witnessing it to feed the flesh. We're actually witnessing the fight. We're like watching these films to learn to learn how to win, to learn how the enemy operates. Because the bottom line is, that's exactly where we're at. We are in a fight. We're in a fight not only to get to heaven, but we're in a fight to help others to get to heaven. We're in a fight not only to get saved, but we're in a fight to grow and to be sanctified. And that's why it's so cool to study the book of Joshua because, you know, in one sense, the Lord through Joshua and through the children of Israel teach us how to fight that good fight. Because if not, we're going to get beat up. And maybe you're going to get saved, but that's it. Nothing happens. You get caught up in this world and entangled or, or whatever it is. Maybe you drift away. Maybe you slip away. And we have to learn how to fight. And that's why it's cool to study this book. It's a book that really a lot of people call uh, um, victorious Christian living. This is how I can have a victorious Christian life. Not a perfect life, but a proper life. A life that when I die, I won't be ashamed of. A a life that when I die, I won't have any regrets. When I'm there on my deathbed one day, when, you know, wishing, man, I had more time. I wish I could could do a do-over, you know. As you go through Joshua, God gives you the principles that you need so that we can hopefully learn... And man, learn how to fight and die with integrity one day and to help others. Because this is really what it's all about, you guys. And we're going to see a few words today. Um, I'm not sure. You know, it's always hard, you know, for us Bible teachers. We're like, we want to package it nice and neat. You know how I are, especially me, because I have a lot of disorders. That's just the way that I am. My brain's messed up. And I like to organize things, you know. And I like all my things straight and stuff like that. You know, any of you are like that? Is that a curiosity? You won't admit to it, huh? <laughs> and anyways, but the Bible's a lot bigger than that. We know that. So there's other things tucked away in here, but there's some things that I think, at least for me, they stood out that we can kind of stand on and we can kind of learn. And in some ways, it's kind of like putting handles. We can carry it with us and we can bring it to the Lord. Um, because look what we read here in verse 1. It says in verse 1, And it came to pass when Jabin, king of Hazor, heard these things that he sent to Jobab, king of Madon, to the king of Shimron, to the king of Akshaph, and to the kings who were from the north and the mountains and the plain south of Chinneroth in the lowland and in the heights of Dor on the west, to the Canaanites in the east and in the west, the Amorite, the Hittite, the Perizzite, the Jebusite in the mountains and the Hivite below Hermon in the land of 
of Mizpah. In other words, <laughs> this guy just pretty much contacted everyone that was left in the land of Canaan. If you were to look at a map, you would see the northern area, you would see the middle area, all this. He contacted all these kingdoms. And so it says in verse 4, so they went out, they and all their armies with them. Notice it says, as many people as the sand that is on the seashore in multitude, with very many horses and chariots. And when all these kings had met together, they came and camped together at the waters of Merom to fight against Israel. You know, the first thing I see in our study that I think the Lord wants to communicate to us, and we've already seen it, but we see it now even stronger, is that as you have victories as a Christian, you're going to experience increased uh, resistance, increased opposition. You know, here we see that, man, they just come like the sand that is on the seashore. You see, the the enemy basically now musters up everything he has left to intimidate and then eliminate the people of God who are, we see, gaining ground. You know, chapter 10 talks about the great victories there they had in the southern portion. And so as he had the victories, the enemies just stepping it up. And so we, as we go through life, and let's just say you do gain ground, let's just say you overcome certain things in your life, you know, expect this, expect an increased resistance. You know, um, I remember... When I was first a Christian, I thought, you know what? The, the longer you're walking with the Lord, the easier it's going to be. And, you know, in one sense, I don't know, maybe there's a, an element of truth to that. But I know this, that the longer you walk with the Lord and the further you grow and the more victories you get and the more people you want to be involved in and, you know, for the glory of God, whatever it is, you kind of got to expect that there will be some increased resistance. And I remember uh, Dr. Duffield. He was one of these guys that got saved, uh, I think, from the womb. And he was, uh, no, actually, he got saved when he was five years old. He said, I remember, I was five years old. I prayed to receive Christ. From five years old, he walked with the Lord. But one day, he was up there at the pulpit. It was Calvary Chapel, West Covina, and he's preaching. He's like in his 80s, right? And he told us straight out that it doesn't get easier. It, 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 it gets harder. You know, and that comes from a man who knew the word very well. He was a professor at the Bible college. He had a heart of gold and he had all the experience to go with it. God used his life increasingly as he followed the Lord. And so when I hear that and I see this, I think, well, you know what? There's a lot of truth to that. Here we see in verse 4, as many people as the sand that is on the seashore and multitude with very many horses and chariots. You know, when you look at that, that's a lot of people, sand, like the sand on the seashore, and that's a lot of artillery. A chariot would be like a tank. And so now the first time, for the first time in the promised land, they experience chariots. They experience people like the sand that is on the seashore. And I mentioned last week the fact that as our victories grow, our enemies will grow. And as our enemies grow, we need to grow. Our faith must grow in order to have the victory over the growing enemies, you know? And the way that we grow, Bible knowledge probably has something to do with it, but I really encourage you to know 2 Peter 3.18, grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I'm believing that more and more in my life, that the more I want to grow, the more I want God to use my life, not for me, but for Him and for them, the more I want that, the closer I need to be with Christ. 
It's really simply that. It's a deeper, more personal, intimate relationship with Him where we get on our knees and we really pray. You know, when I read my Bible, I really believe God's speaking to me. It's like the revealed will of God. But when I get on my knees... It's not just me speaking to God. I mean, it's not just God speaking to me. Now we have God speaking to me in the, in the concealed will. And that right there, that prayer life is so important for us to have. You know, we need to grow. Why? Because the enemy and the resistance is growing against us. How many of you here have seen the Chronicles of Narnia? Just out of curiosity. You remember the, 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 the Chronicles of Narnia? I'm sure which one it was. And I think it was Lucy, I could be wrong, who in one of the movies she said in so many words when she saw Aslan, Aslan is the lion that represents Jesus. Man, he's an incredible lion. He said, she said one day to him, you know what, you're bigger than I remember. You've grown bigger since the last time I saw you. And Aslan responded with those words that are so true. He said, when you grow I grow. And that's really the way it works, you guys. In other words, when you grow as a Christian, you'll see more clearly how great, how grand, how glorious your God is. How wonderful He is. How holy He is. How gracious He is. And when you know you grow, you're going to see Him clearer and clearer. And when the enemy comes against you in greater resistance, you're going to be able to just streamroll past Him Not because of your strength, because now you're walking in the strength of God. You see, you're going to see who the the Lord really is and how He delivers us and how the Lord delivers us from all our afflictions. See, the opposition will increase and so must our faith. You know, I was thinking about this right here, how now there's chariots and now there's soldiers like the sand of the sea. And now there's these horses, it's the cavalry, right? That changes everything. And I was thinking about that contrast over in Jeremiah chapter 12, verse 5, where the Lord says, if you have run with the footmen and they've wearied you, what will you do when the horses come? You know, and that's a really good question. Maybe you're here today and we're really struggling. Maybe there's even an element of complaining in our life. And, you know, the Lord says, you know what? You got to get ready because it's not going to get easier. The cavalry's coming. And so we, in essence, we need to prepare ourselves. The imposition will increase, so we need to face and embrace the battle that we're in. We need spiritual stamina. Why? So that we can train and be ready for the battle that's intensifying. You see, and that's where we need to be. Question for you guys. Are, are you ready? Are we ready to face a higher ranking demon? You know, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, it talks about the demons, principles, and pal- principalities and powers and rulers in the darkness. And there that verse speaks of, of, of ranks of demons. Are you ready to face a higher rank of demon? Second question, are you ready to fight in a world that is getting worse and worse? Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 13 says that this world will get worse and worse. Are we ready for that? Are we ready for this? To dig deeper into our own heart and to be willing to see some things that maybe you don't want to see, but we need to see so that we can be more and more all that God wants us to be. You know, because the bottom line is all of us have tons of room to grow. Even as John the Baptist, he was used by God in such an incredible way, but the day came when he said, he must increase, I must decrease. 
See, we've got to be ready for these things, the greater demons, greater opposition in this world that we live in, and greater works within our own heart to dig deeper, to be realer. You know, one of the challenges that I have as a man, as a selfish man, today when I was talking to the Lord, and the Lord was just saying, Manny, have you ever really done something out of pure love? Pure love, where, you know what, you don't care if anything comes back to you. You've got no interest in this other than just loving this individual who can give you nothing in return. You see, and that's where we need to be, you guys. We need to grow in the Lord. We need to be ready. Why? Because the battles will grow. We must grow. But I want to encourage you in this. The greater the battle, the greater the blessing. You know, and we're going to see that as Joshua now is this, man, there's chariots and horses and, you know, lands and people like the sands of the sea. As he has victory over them, what a blessing that God will give to him. And so here they are and they possess this promise. Look what it says in verse 6. The Lord said to Joshua, all these guys came against him. He said, do not be afraid because of them. For tomorrow about this time, I will deliver all of them slain before Israel. You shall hamstring their horses and burn their chariots with fire. And so Joshua and all the people of war with him came against them suddenly by the waters of Merom, and they attacked them. And the Lord delivered them into the hand of Israel, who defeated them and chased them to greater Sidon, to the brook Mizrephoth and to the valley of Mizpah eastward. They attacked them until they left none of them remaining. So Joshua did to them as the Lord had told him. He hamstrung their horses and burned their chariots with fire. The first thing we see is increased resistance. And so I just want to encourage you, be ready. It ain't going to get easier. So we need to grow. We need to get stronger in the Lord. Greater resistance, increased resistance. The second thing that I think we need to learn from our text today is increased dependence. Increased dependence upon the Lord. You know, he's given you the promises. All you got to do is stay focused, one foot in front of the other, both eyes on Jesus. You're going to be okay. Stay in the word, stay in fellowship, stay in prayer. It's not complicated or sophisticated. Just drawing near to God. He will give you the victory. Stay humble. Ask God to keep you usable. Be willing to do whatever it is he calls you to do. Come out from them, the Lord says, and to be holy. Very simple things. And as we do these simple things, God says, I will give you the victory. And we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. You see, we see in verse 6 that God gave the promise of victory. And again, that encourages them, right, to go out and to fight by faith. Here we see the Lord says, when you're there, though, one of the things I want you to do is to hamstring the horses and I want you to burn the chariots. Now, to hamstring a horse meant to cut a tendon in the leg, thus disabling the horse. And what happened was the Lord wanted them to do this, to burn the chariots, in order that they would not keep them for themselves. 
You know, typically what you would do is you would get these great horses that can pull these amazing chariots and these weapons of war. Typically you would get them for yourself, right? You're like, cool, I have a tank now. Cool, I have a, you know, a, a horse with power now, right? But the Lord said, I don't want you to keep them. I don't want you to hold on to them. I don't want you to depend on them. You hamstring those horses and you burn those chariots. Why? Because I want your trust to always be in me. Yeah, but Lord, can't you use those things? Yeah, he can use those things. But a lot of times those things get in the way of us fully and completely trusting the Lord. You see, horses and chariots would be a great temptation. You know, that's why in God's instruction to the kings of Israel, God commanded them through Moses in Deuteronomy seventeen sixteen, that they were not to multiply horses for themselves. Why? Because God wanted them to depend on Him. As a matter of fact, Isaiah speaks with a warning about this in Isaiah 31, verse 1. He says, Woe to those who go down to Egypt for help and rely on horses, who trust in chariots because they are many, and in horsemen because they are very strong but who do not look to the Holy One of Israel, nor seek the Lord. You know, that, that's what they would typically do. See, we have to really be in that place. We don't trust in our bank account. We don't trust in our finances. We don't trust in, you know, necessarily, you know, our job, our talent, our good looks, or whatever it might be. That our, our 100% trust is, is in the Lord. You know, yesterday at the park, it was really cool. I had a chance to talk to one of the ladies. She oversees all the parks and recreation in Almonte, and it was cool. You know, we were just talking about the youth, and she said, hey, maybe one day we can work together and try to reach out to these young people because, you know, they're just, uh, they're, they're just going through a lot, of, a lot of trials. They don't have that, that guidance that they need. And, and so, really cool lady, you know, but, but the typical mindset, she said, you know what, we can do this and that. You guys at the church, you should apply for a grant. That's what she said. You know, they give out grants. The government gives out grants. And, you know, and my thing was, and I don't think the Lord's leading us to do that. I said, you know what? The Lord has always provided for us as a church. You know, here we are in Almani. I'm telling you this. You know, we're not like rich, 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 you know. But, man, God has blessed us and God will provide for us. We don't need to go ask for donations from the world. You know, and it's so cool to see that the Lord is the one that provides for us. Psalm 20, verse 7, it says, Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. And typically today, I think we got a lot of other things that even churches are trusting in. And they trust in their building, they trust in their budget, they trust in the size of their body. But that's not what God wants us to trust in because one day when we stand before God, He's not going to say, well, how big was your church? It's not His measure of success. His measure of success is how faithful you were. And if God allows us to be faithful and to reach people in a deep and true way, who knows what that person over there that gets saved, what they're going to do or that person over there. You see, we got to make sure that we trust in the Lord. Even us here in America, you know, we've got the trained men and the top guns We've got the power, the planes, the missiles, the smart men. We've got the army, navy, and marines. And yet, if our trust is any of them or any of that, then we are off track as a country. That's why it's so important for us to pray for our men and women in harm's way. 
Because our trust must be in the Lord. He's our victory over the enemy. He's our protector from all predators, you know. I mean, it doesn't mean that we don't lock the doors at night. We do lock the doors. I do. When I go to bed at night, I lock the doors. I tell my dog Chip to do his job and to stand guard. <laughs> you know, I make sure before we go to sleep that our weapons are right there, ready for access in case there's an intruder, you know. But I never go to bed without praying. Praying and praying. God, take care of my daughter. Take care of my son. Take care of my wife. Surround our home with your protection. Why? Because without the Lord, it doesn't matter how big your dog is or how good your gun is. It doesn't. The Lord is the only one that can deliver us. So if anything in life becomes a temptation, you know, sometimes we take it away. Sometimes God takes it away. And let me tell you something. Blessed are those subtractions sometimes. Because He wants us to totally trust in Him, right? Right? It might be money, it might be MasterCard, it might even be some man that we trust in. I remember one man whose life was being threatened. Uh, He was a friend of ours, actually. I didn't know him that well, but I knew him a little bit. And so his life was being threatened. And so what ended up happening was he hired a man to protect him. Kind of like, I guess you could say, a bodyguard. You know, I knew in the midst of all that, that God was trying to get his attention But he wouldn't trust the Lord, man. He would not turn to the Lord. Instead, he trusted in his money, and his money could hire a man, a bodyguard to keep him alive, right? But it was just a matter of time. The man died. He was not able to stay alive. Why? Because the enemy, the real enemy that was trying to kill him was the devil. I don't care how big your bodyguard is. No man can protect you from the devil. Only God can. And that's why we have to make sure we trust in the Lord. That's where our trust has to be. You know, when you look at that family, they were beautiful from the outside, but when you look deeper, they weren't willing to hamstring their horses and burn their chariots. They weren't willing to let go of their props of pathetic protection and just trust the Lord. See? See? we got to be a people who trust the Lord. No one, nothing else. So that we can run the race, finish the fight, and gain this ground for God that He wants us and our children to have. You see, the first thing we see is increased resistance. And so God help us to grow as our opposition grows. Otherwise, we're going to get killed, man. You know, the second thing we see is increased dependence. God says, man, as you go on, hamstring those horses and burn their chariots. Now, obviously, this would mean that their chariots were made of wood. Later on, they would come against chariots of iron. (laughs) And so it always gets worse, right? It always gets stronger. But then in verse 10, it says, Joshua turned back at that time and took Hazor and struck its king with the sword. For Hazor was formerly the head of all those kingdoms. And they struck all the people who were in it with the edge of the sword, utterly destroying them. There was none left breathing. And then he burned Hazor with fire. So all the cities of those kings and all their kings Joshua took and struck with the edge of the sword. He utterly destroyed them as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded. But as for the cities that stood on the mounds, Israel burned none of them except Hazor only, which Joshua burned. And all the spoil of these cities and the livestock the children of Israel took as booty for themselves, 
But they struck every man with the edge of the sword until they had destroyed them and they left none breathing. As the Lord had commanded Moses his servant, so Moses commanded Joshua, and so Joshua did. He left nothing undone of all that the Lord had commanded Moses. I know there's a lot here, but, you know, I see increased resistance, I see increased dependence, and I see increased obedience. Because now what does Joshua do? He goes in, God gives him the victory, but he doesn't do like, 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 like Saul did. He doesn't make excuses for his disobedience. He obeys the word of the Lord and he utterly destroys all the opposition. Now we know for us, you know, this is a time where the children there that lived in Canaan, their, their judgment really had reached the heavens. God had given them time to repent. They did not repent. So God used Israel to judge them. You know, but for us, you know, it's kind of like the way that we deal with ourselves. The greatest enemy is me. And I got to try my best to, to be crucified. I got to die. I got to take up my cross. I got to leave nothing breathing, nothing remaining. You know, I want to be spent. I want to be poured out as a drink offering. I mean, I've got nothing good to offer this world. There's nothing good in Manny. Only good thing in me is Christ. And so we've got to be ruthless with ourselves. If our eye causes a sin, you know, pluck it out, Jesus said. If your hand causes you sin, cut it off. A lot of times we pet ourselves. We make excuses, you know. And God just says, listen, you can't do that. You know, you can make, you know, if you want to, you can just keep living the same life you've been living. You, if you want to, you can make excuses and just, you know, I'm only human. A lot of people will say stuff like that. You know what? But if you're a Christian, you have God living inside of you and God wants to give us that sweet and amazing victory. And that's what we see Joshua did right here. God uses Joshua who takes Hazor, the head of these kingdoms, and he strikes the king and all the people. None are left breathing. We then read in verse 12 that they struck all the cities and all the kings. And then we see the emphasis is on the fact that all this was done in obedience to the commandment of God. We see the word commanded there in verse 12. Again, look at He utterly destroyed them as Moses, a servant of the Lord, had commanded. And then three times in verse 15, as the Lord had commanded Moses, his servant, so Moses commanded Joshua, so Joshua did and don't you guys love what it says right there? He left nothing undone of all that the Lord had commanded Moses. You know, one of the keys for victory in life is just simple obedience to God's commandments. 1 Corinthians 7.19, it says, Circumcision is nothing and uncircumcision is nothing, but keeping the commandments of God is what matters. 1 John chapter 2, verse 3, Now by this we know that we know Him if we keep His commandments. What the Lord wants us to do is to be obedient to Him. You know, when I read verse 15 and I see the, just the chain right there, the Lord commanding Moses and Moses commanding Joshua, it reminds me of 2 Timothy chapter 2 where Paul says, Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus and the things you learn from me, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. There's four generations there. And as the Lord gives his word out, and then he gives that word out, and then he gives that word out, it's so cool how we acknowledge it, not as the word of man, 
but as the word of God. I like what we read there at the, just the end of verse 15. He left nothing undone of all that the Lord had commanded Moses. You know, I like that. It means a couple of things. Number one, not only did he not do bad things, which is what I think most of us focus our attention on. Don't do bad things, you know. You know, it seems to be that focus. Don't smoke, don't chew, don't run with those who do. You've probably heard that saying, right? I mean, there seems to be a lot of focus on the negative and resisting the negative, but here we see the complete victory Also, it it contains doing the positive, doing the positive. It says in James 4, verse 17, Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. Joshua left nothing undone. And that means he didn't just stop doing the bad. It meant that he did the good that God had called him to do. You know, I think about that and I just get so blessed. You've probably heard that maxim a million times. All that's necessary for evil to prevail is for good men to do nothing. And for those of us here, myself included, you guys, we got a calling in life. You're a soldier, you're a soldier, you're a soldier, you're a soldier. And what part of the battle are you in? Where are you at? Are you like David, you know, kicking it right there in the top of the temple? Are you in the front lines? Are you in the action? See, we've got to make sure that we do the things that God calls us to do. God help us not to leave anything undone. Joshua is a great example for us. And so what ends up happening in verse 16, Thus Joshua took all this land, the mountain country, all the south, all the land of Galgoshin, the lowland, the Jordan plains, the mountains of Israel and its lowlands, from Mount Halak and the ascent to Seir, even as far as Baal Gad in the valley of Lebanon, below Mount Hermon, he captured all their kings and struck them down and killed them. Joshua made war a long time with all those kings. The progress. The progress that was evident to all. You know, uh, we see on a map, man, you can just go city after city of the progress that was being made. And it really is an amazing thing. Now, it took seven years, just in case you're wondering there in verse 18, that he made war with them for a long time. Seven years. And so, you know, you've been a Christian now for seven weeks and you're like, how come not everything God's called me to be? Well, because it takes a little bit of time. Time with teaching. Time with teaching and an openness and willingness to obey. Seven weeks becomes seven months and then before you know it, it becomes seven years. And God begins to humble us and bring us to that point in which we can be blessed. In verse 19, there was not a city that made peace with the children of Israel except the Hivites, the inhabitants of Gibeon, all the others they took in battle. For it was of the Lord to harden their hearts that they should come against Israel in battle, that he might utterly destroy them and that they might receive no mercy, but that he might destroy them as the Lord had commanded Moses. Now you guys remember the Gibeonites, they made peace with Israel. They deceived them. And so you figure one of the other countries would at least try it, but they didn't, you know. And part of the reason is given there in verse 20, because the Lord was the one who hardened their hearts. Now, someone might look at that and say, oh, God's not fair. Look at God hardened their hearts. 
But the way that it works, and you need to know this in the scriptures, is God will never harden anyone's heart unless they first have hardened it themselves. If you read Exodus chapter 7 all the way through chapter 10, you're going to find that Moses, I mean a Pharaoh, he hardened his heart nine times. Nine times his heart was hard. The first five times, he did it himself. And that's why if we're here today, and if you hear the voice of the Lord calling you deeper, calling you to that place of obedience, calling you to his love, calling you to his heart, don't harden your hearts. Because if we continue, if someone continues to harden their heart, eventually they might reach that place where God says, okay, I'm going to honor your decision. And I'll harden your heart. So what do we need to do? We need to do the exact opposite. God, soften my heart. God, make my heart so tender. I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed to cry. I'm not ashamed to cry out. I'm not ashamed to acknowledge the fact, Lord, that I totally, I need you. See? And in looking at this, we see the Lord teaches us so many things. Look at verse 21. And at that time, Joshua came and cut off the Anakim from the mountains, from Hebron, from Deborah, from Anam, from all the mountains of Judah, and from all the mountains of Israel. Joshua utterly destroyed them with their cities. I mean, God just gave them the victory, right? None of the Anakim were left in the land of the children of Israel. They remained only in Gaza, in Gath, and Ashdod. Now, real quick, you guys. We only got a couple of minutes left. The Anakim. Does that kind of strike a bell with you? The Anakim were the descendants of Anak. And these were the guys that kept the children of Israel out of the promised land Back in Numbers chapter 13, they said, no, we can't go to the land because the descendants of Anak are there and we're grasshoppers in their sight, right? They said, we can't do it. And here we see that they can. I can, you can, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. I mean, to me, it just bums me out to think that they wandered around in the wilderness for 38 years when all they had to do was cling to Christ, cultivate a personal relationship with Him, and watch what God does in their life. It doesn't matter who it is. It doesn't matter how big the mountain is. It doesn't matter you know, how big the giants are. It doesn't matter if they have the cavalry. It doesn't matter if they have chariots. It doesn't matter if they have iron chariots. Whatever it is that God's called us to do to conquer ourselves. To be, you know, the husband with wisdom leading his home, leading the ministry. You know, hopefully, man, we're never going to give up hope. I'm never going to give up hope in winning Almani for Jesus Christ. I don't know what God's going to do, but I want to do my part because there's a responsibility there. Whatever it is, you have kids, loved ones that aren't serving the Lord, you fight for them. Nehemiah 4.14 says, we fight for our family, we fight for our wives, we fight for our children, we fight for our households. You don't give up, you don't lose heart. See, because God wants us to understand it doesn't matter if the giants are there. You see, for us, the way that it works is increased resistance. The enemy will come against us. So we need increased dependence. Lord, uh, please help me not to trust in anything anything or anyone but you, just you. What will happen then is there will be an increased obedience 
And then if we could just close with this, and I don't know if this is really, really all that cool, but you guys are my friends, right? Um, increased, could I say this? Um, like a transcendence, if I can say that because it rhymes. Um, a transcendence. It's like a peace that surpasses understanding. Because look what happens. It says in verse 23, So Joshua took the whole land according to all that the Lord had said to Moses. And Joshua gave it as an inheritance to Israel according to their divisions by their tribes. Then the land rested from war. Then the land rested from war. For me, I I circle that word rest. And I think of Jesus' invitation in Matthew 11, 28-30. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest for your souls. Yeah, but we're in a battle. We know that there's still battles to be won. But what this means right here is that they had regained, they had gained full control of the land. They had gained that. And that's what I'm talking about as far as being a Christian. You know, we can't, you know, change the way we feel. Man, sometimes we can't control that, you know. We can't control others. But there's that that power of the Spirit that He gives us that self-control and He gives us the fruit of the Spirit. And what ends up happening is that as we trust the Lord and we just follow all these things and we come to that point of fighting the good fight, then even though there's still battles ahead, there's a different type of life. You're not one of those strugglers, Christians who you know, is wandering around in the wilderness. You're not one of those Christians walking around with like a chicken whose head is cut off. You know? You're connected with Jesus Christ. You have that relationship with Him. You're still fighting the good fight, but you're fighting as a victorious Christian the way that you're supposed to. You see, and that's the rest that I think Jesus wants to give us. That's the rest I think that he wants us to have. It's rooted in coming to Christ. And I really, I just beg of you, by the mercies of God, man, I beg of you with all my heart that you would cut things out of your schedule if necessary. You would do whatever you have to do to have that quiet time with God. To where you sit at His feet and you read His Word. To where you, you know, if you're weird like me, maybe you dim the lights or whatever. You get on your face and you just pray. You just draw near to God. You know, being busy serving without praying is, is, is actually an abomination to God. Being busy out there doing all the things of the world and you know, you're making money and you're doing all that stuff. You know, you gotta make sure that you just guard your heart against that. You guys, we really need that quiet time with the Lord and coming to Jesus. He says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I and I will give you rest. Man, you gotta have a closet to go to. You gotta have that place where you can run to the Lord. And he'll give you that, if I could just say, that, that transcendence, man, that peace that surpasses understanding. I really believe that right there is where we will experience the victory. And so I want to encourage you guys in that. The Lord loves you. He wants to work in you. He wants to use you. He wants to bless you. But let's learn as we watch the fight. You guys ever see Rocky? 
Yeah, they're like, yeah, win, Adrian, win. It's a good Rocky. I remember that one. Well, as they're watching the films from the fights and they're learning and they're saying, oh, okay, this is the way he is and this is, this is what you're doing. And, and they're there, they're learning, you know, they're learning, they're educating themselves, like my father-in-law would say, you know. And that's what we need to do. As we're, as we're looking at this book right here, Joshua, and we're seeing the way they fought and they're seeing the things that they, they, they're in that chapter, the increased resistance. And so we look at that and then we see the increased dependence, the increased obedience, which then led to an increased transcendence, man, that we would have that same thing in our life. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how bad you've been in the past. It doesn't matter. Today is a new start. God wants to do a new work in our life. And so let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much, Father, for your word. Thank you, Lord, just for giving us the book of Joshua, Lord. He's, he's Jesus. That's my Jesus. That's you, Lord, leading me in life, showing me to do things the way you did. You said uh, for me to be perfect just as you are perfect. You told me to follow you.